The moon is always there. We've studied it for centuries, and in total 20 humans have walked on its surface. What they found was a dead rock, with no hidden alien bases, no monsters, and no moon people. Maybe that's why it's easy to forget to marvel at it. We forget to feel the appropriate awe about the idea that there is a giant ball of rock and dust, a quarter the size of the Earth itself, spinning around us all the time. The only other thing in our solar system that we have set foot on. Let's take a trip up there now, explore the sea of tranquility in a moon rover, and pay a visit to the lunar landing module of the Apollo 11 mission, the finish line of a space race nearly 10 years long. Sit back. Relax, close your eyes, and visualize this. You're standing somewhere in the sea of tranquility. You can see it from Earth with a telescope or a camera with a good zoom lens. Look for the elongated blotch resembling three large beads strung together. You're standing near the periphery of the middle bead. In fact, you're standing on the edge of a crater and you're not wearing a spacesuit. Don't worry, a spacesuit from Earth is loud, uncomfortable, and difficult to move in. You're wearing something much more advanced. A see-through suit, made out of an advanced polymer that feels like a warm onesie with a hoodie attached and a crystal-clear glass faceplate that gives you a perfect view of the crater in front of you. Your suit lets you move normally, and maintain the perfect, comfortable temperature as you soak in your surroundings. The first thing you notice about the moon is the contrast. The surface of the moon is bright. The sun, unfiltered by atmosphere, lights up the dust and rubble like a white light bulb. Every ripple and mound, every rock and boulder, casts a clear, dark shadow. You're looking into the crater the very final full stop at the end of a story about an asteroid. The upper part of the crater is lit up by sunlight, the stone and dust shining in the white light of the sun. Halfway down the curve of the crater, the light cuts off, as if a line were drawn with a ruler. Beneath that line, it gets very dark, as the amount of reflected light drops off. Looking down into the crater feels like standing on the edge of a massive hole, leading to the core of the moon. You step back carefully and turn around, gazing out over the moonscape. The moon is small enough that you can see its curvature from the surface, the horizon curving down on either side. It's a rough sea of bright and dark grey, and above it is the ultimate contrast. Space itself, perfect black. Somehow the sky is a featureless void of darkness, with no stars to be seen. It's difficult to understand how the sky can be so black, yet you can see no stars because the sunlight is drowning out your night vision. This is a world of stark nothingness. A world of black and white. Grey moon dust, as fine as talcum powder, strangely sticky, clings to the surface of your advanced spacesuit. All is quiet. Besides your slow, soft breathing, there is no sound. It's like being in a slow-motion, black-and-white, silent movie. 
If you were in a silent movie right now, we would cut to a card that fills the screen reading, Look, it's the Earth. It hangs above the curved surface of the moon like a glowing blue bulb, streaked with swirls of white cloud, a marble, a capsule, a spaceship moving through nothingness at 220 kilometers per second, crewed by an entire world of life, a self-sustaining ecosystem powered by light that has been traveling for so long that every sip of water you drink has been in the belly of a dinosaur standing at a watering hole in a jungle that is now oil. Time to get moving. You take a few skipping steps towards the moon rover parked nearby. It's like walking on a trampoline, and you bounce up into the air with each step. You reach the lunar rover, or moon buggy, and climb into its very basic seat. The buggy looks like someone took the top off a Volkswagen Beetle leaving a white and stainless steel chassis with four large donut wheels. You take hold of the T-shaped joystick and push it forward. You can't hear the electric engine of the rover as it begins to accelerate forwards, but you feel it hum through the seat and your suit. The moon buggy picks up speed, scrambling across the lunar surface. At a weight of 215 kilograms, it's not as likely as an astronaut to leap up into the air. It's a bumpy ride over the uneven surface. You bounce in the seat and have to hang on to the frame of the buggy to stay stable. You reach 18 kilometers per hour, a fast running speed on Earth, and you leave two neat trails of tire prints behind you as you head towards the most famous place on the moon, the Apollo 11 landing site. The landing site is small, and although the gold foil-wrapped legs of the lunar lander's descent stage are still there, the bulky white body of the lander itself is gone, returned to the Columbia on the same day it arrived, July 20th, 1969. Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin had flown across space for three days, after being launched into it by a giant Saturn V rocket. Then, once Apollo 11 was in orbit, they were released to descend to the surface, leaving Michael Collins in Command Module Columbia to orbit the moon and wait for their return. After a tense landing, in which Armstrong had to take manual control of the module to pilot it over a large crater, they touched down and radioed in to Houston. Houston, uh, Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. Imagine yourself sitting in the moon buggy parked next to the landing site, looking back in time to July 20th, 1969. The exit hatch of the lunar module has just opened, and Neil Armstrong is emerging to come down that ladder and join you on the surface of the moon. Armstrong descends slowly, his back to the horizon, as he steps carefully down the ladder. He's constantly talking to Houston and Aldrin over the radio. He steps onto the footpad of the lunar lander's landing strut and turns around to face the horizon. Imagine that moment when Neil Armstrong turned to face that grey-white landscape, strewn with rubble and pitted with craters. Imagine him looking up into that infinite blackness of the universe. Imagine you were in his place. 
feel a touch of what it might be like to stand on the surface of the moon where no human has ever stood, representing your entire world, your country, your space agency, your respected colleagues, your friends and family, and yourself. Imagine giving yourself to a goal, a project, for seven years, and then reaching that goal, while 200 million or so people from all over the world watch live from your home planet and cheer for you. One of the most amazing things about the moon landing was how Neil Armstrong managed to keep his voice calm and matter-of-fact as he said those famous words. That's one small step for man, one Armstrong and Aldrin spent 21 hours and 36 minutes on the moon's surface, collecting samples, taking pictures, and setting up experiments. Then they blasted off, leaving the lunar lander's descent stage behind. You get out of the moon buggy and engage your suit's anti-gravity field, allowing you to float across the site without disturbing the scene. NASA won't send another lander to this spot. They hope it will remain here, virtually untouched by time, as a testament to the beginning of humanity's travel to other planets. The site is crisscrossed with footprints and tracks of equipment and cabling that was dragged across the dust. Nearby are discarded tools and a few bags of garbage, left behind to lighten the load for the return trip. There are more interesting artifacts to be found, though. There's an Apollo 1 mission patch, left by Armstrong and Aldrin in honor of the astronauts Roger Chafee, Gus Grissom, and Edward White who died when their command module caught fire during an Apollo 1 test in January 1967. They also left two medals awarded to Russian cosmonauts Yuri Gagarin and Vladimir Komarov. There's an aluminium capsule containing a tiny silicon disk, which is inscribed with messages from four US presidents and 73 other heads of state, etched in microscopic lettering. And as you float across the landing site, you see one more thing left by the Apollo 11 crew. Attached to one of the legs of the descent stage is an aluminium plaque. The plaque reads, Here men from planet Earth first set foot upon the moon, July 1969 AD. We came in peace for all mankind. May we continue to explore our solar system in peace and for the good of the entire crew of Starship Earth. The End If you like this visualization, please subscribe to the Visualize This podcast, or our IGTV account, which is at visualize underscore this. If you really like the show, and want to help me make more episodes, you can check out patreon.com forward slash visualize underscore this, and become a patron for as little as $1 a month. You'll also be able to vote on episode topics, suggest new ones, and even work with me to make a visualization you'd love to hear. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Ping.